follow us on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows. You will have to enter that in because the fact that we are adult content means that we have agreed to make ourselves unsearchable on their website. My name is Elle and I'm a sex educator. My name is Jen and I'm a private investigator. We want to learn more about ourselves. I'm like the boring vanilla one over here that's like, I don't do anything, but I'm, cu- I'm curious. And the fact that we're both sex workers means that we have insight into things taboo. Trigger warning, if you're easily upset by this stuff, maybe take a break. I have a feeling this is going to be weird. Sex and politics make for some very strange bedfellows. Daphne Rose has been a full-service sex worker for a total of about three years. She started in sex work 20 years ago. When did you start dancing? I started dancing in 1993. Okay. Was that here in Portland or was nope. that? that was in Atlanta, Georgia. Me too. No. I worked at the Gold Club. That's where I started. Oh my God. You just gave me freaking goosebumps. Hang and on a second. And I worked at the Pink Pony. Girl. Oh. I, don't, I, I can't even call you. I started in 96. <laughs> Wow. Oh my god! I, wonder, I have wait, danced. What, I wonder if we. I danced have danced at the, the Pink Pony, and I danced at the Gold Rush Show Bar, which was the on and, the south side of town. Yeah, right? and I da- I aspired to dance at the Gold Club, because I started as I, so. My story is that I started at eighteen. Me too. Oh, like the day after my eighteenth. <laughs> Me birthday. too. Oh my I gosh! I knew I was going to be a stripper. Me too. I was like, as soon so, as I can get that permit. So to be fair, I, I I obviously have not done enough research on your history. No, this read, is great. I've read like the nutshell, nutshell versions of, you know, I knew a little bit about Elle and a little bit about you. Oh, I don't think many people know that about Jen, though. Oh, okay. And, I was and, assuming that people might know that already. No, Jen's very no, secretive no, no. on the show. And we're I here. So I'm we're cagey. here. We're here to talk with Daphne Rose, and she has a background in finance, liberal mm-hmm. arts education, and your interests are gourmet cooking at home, kayaking, and yoga. And people can contact you, DaphnePDX at ProtonMail.com. Okay, so... Was I, Cliff a bouncer at Pink Pony when you the were cl- there? Cliff, I'm sorry, I'm Cliff just sounds, so the, the name Cliff sounds familiar. I auditioned to be a stripper at the Gold Rush, and then I was a stripper. And I was a very... Um, man, I was a prude... Uh, I was I was very prudish, so I don't know why, but I felt like as long as I did stripping with like a lot of rules and I followed all of the rules that were in place like legally, then what I was doing was okay. I kind of I justified it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I went to a club and they had rules, I took them very seriously, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I was very anti-prostitution, anti-escorting because it was illegal. And mm, I, I've met those strippers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was 18 and I, I was like, I was like, man, they are, you know, there's a, there's a hierarchy in sex work. The horophobia hierarchy, I feel like was a lot mm. worse then. And under yeah. this recent administration, I think a lot of us have come together because we're all under threat. Absolutely. And also so many strippers now sell like Snapchat things or like mm-hmm. maybe fuck their clients, you know, like, yeah. Things are different. Things are very different. Even though what's so weird, though, is to at the same time being an 18 year old stripper, um, because I, too, wanted to fall. Like, I was shit scared of, like, getting in trouble. Like, mm-hmm. I just never wanted to get in trouble and get yelled at by yes. the big mean managers. Yes. But being like, I wasn't a particularly hot. I was a very scrawny 18 year old that looked 18 years old. So for the first couple years until I got tits, 
I got those guys. You got those that, guys that were really oh, into Lord. the that must have seen me like mm-hmm. a mark, you yeah. know, just just mm-hmm. like do do do. I don't know what I'm doing, and who would just I would just fight them off of me all night. I just got all the molesters. It was so <laughs> that was my first couple of years of being a stripper was that's like, rough. oh God. So that's interesting you mentioned. So you started out with this attitude that legality would dictate the morality mm-hmm. of the work you were doing. Okay, right. So mm-hmm. and you said you've been full service for three years. Mm-hmm. So things have changed on that boundary that you had set for yourself. Yes. So how do we get there? What have you done over time? You said cam, cam girl. Yeah. Um, let's see. I tried work as a cam girl and it was fun. And I did it in the kind of the very beginning days. And I made some pretty good money for a couple of months or a few months. What were and the beginning days? I'm trying to think like uh, like MySpace days. Um, oh, God. Like 2004, oh, wow. five. Yeah, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Yeah. Five, six, seven. Yeah. 2004. Yeah, exactly. 2004, 2005, I'm thinking. Okay. Um, and made some pretty pretty good money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it seemed like all of a sudden everyone was doing it. The market mm-hmm. was saturated. And the all of a sudden it seemed like you were either making a ton of money or you were making not enough money to make it worth it. Interesting. So I, I did it for a few months. and um, But I, camming, I really didn't even consider sex work for some reason until like now looking back, I'm like, oh, that was totally sex work. Interesting. And so I see, I see backing, I see now looking back on my career as a sex worker mm-hmm. that um, there are various things I did that were sex work, like camming and escorting. That, like in the beginning when I escorted, I just went out on dates with guys, like for dinner and gambling in Vegas. That was exactly it. There was no sex involved. Interesting. I was just, I, and I was paid great because I was 23 years old, I had a 10 body. I could speak well in public. I could act like a quote unquote normal good girl in public and then be a total freak in the bedroom. And Mm -hmm. I had a great time and they had a great time. And for the longest time, I didn't think, you know, when we were just going on dinner dates that it was sex work, but Mm -hmm. it absolutely was. That's so amazing. It absolutely was because we were flirting they would, I'm sure, go back to their hotel room after we left and take care of things. So there was <laughs> sex, know? but it just wasn't, it wasn't in your mind that they were paying for the sex. Yeah. That's so fucking interesting. Yeah, it really wasn't. And, and, <laughs> and you will talk to people who have done, technically, really, sex work, and they say, I'm not mm-hmm. a sex worker. And I think that absolutely everybody gets to identify how they want, mm-hmm. but you, like, you see sometimes how their own horophobia comes into play with that. Well, I, yeah, because I think people come and they hear sex worker and they think survival street sex worker, mm-hmm. I think is usually what people think. Oh, well, I don't do that. So what I do is d- different. Yeah. 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 The stigma of, se- of just even the word, the words sex worker. Um, I mean, for me, I, I, I didn't ident- identify as a sex worker at all. And now I, I do. And it, it's a powerful thing for me. Whereas... Um, it used to be just a, a stigma that I felt and that was that way for a long time. Well, it's become, I mean, that's what's one, I think one of the main things, maybe it was different here in the nineties because there was uh, Portland seems to the Pacific Northwest always seems to have been a little more maybe clued up than say the South was, but it seems <laughs> like, it seems like stripping and sex work in general has gotten a lot more academic since when I started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were still just good time girls when yeah. I 
very glamorous good time girls mm-hmm. and now it's actually like a political statement and there's people that right. do it to find themselves and right and they talk about it and they blog about it and do all yeah this stuff. there's so, there's women who who write books who, who go to who there's a uh, stripper with a phd has a podcast out of atlanta lux, lux. Yeah, yeah. yeah i mean yeah people write do their master's thesis on mm-hmm. this shit. Yeah. Now. And it's like a thing. So. Yeah. It's, so it's good because academia, when it ever focused on sex work, was only, it was the academics that were mm-hmm. researching it. And now right. when it's the pe- the participants are the researchers. And it was mm-hmm. always focused on exploitation. Like, how are these women being exploited? And how can we places? save them? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of things that come into play here because survival sex work has always been something that has existed. As, mm-hmm. I mean, really, if you don't have an education, or strength or mobility or things that you can sell like but you have a femme body I mean that's commodity Mm -hmm. so people have been doing that forever but only recently with the proliferation of social media we have more academic and educated people talking about it but we have to be careful now with the respectability politics that come into play where we find ourselves justifying doing the work because we're so intelligent Mm -hmm. you know and it really doesn't matter why you do the work as long as you choosing to do it, you know, under capitalism and that you're right. able to do it as safely as possible. Absolutely. I mean, I was like a white trash kid working at Waffle House. I just knew that I want that men liked me and I wanted money from that. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I had mm-hmm. like no aspirations of finding myself, even though I did want to be glamorous. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I remember seeing some off duty strippers and someone being like, those are strippers. They work at the gold club. And I yeah. was like, whoa and they were like tan and Mm -hmm. you know and all these things they were actually like women and I was raised by my dad and I didn't have a mom Mm -hmm. really to teach me how to be a woman so basically strippers taught me how to be right woman you know and I was like oh they're so cool and Daphne I see that when well and you had included here in the notes when we were talking about this episode what we wanted to discuss um that you said that you feel like you've been able to pursue a rich, full life. Oh, yes. Work. Yeah. Yes. And Jen's oh, like, been, woo, yes. <laughs> pumping her fist right been there. all yeah. over the world because of this. Yeah. yeah. And the funny thing is that, so so I was only a stripper for a few years. Um, and when, you know, when I turned 18, I was, I danced and then I was, uh, I was actually a feature entertainer. Oh, cool. Yeah. I, Did you do a little <clears throat> skippy dance? We, oh my gosh. Wait, so it's, it's actually a really crazy story because I just, I picked up Stormy Daniels book like, a month ago mm-hmm. um, because I think it's important that we read each other's stories mm-hmm. like as sex workers when we're talking about um, researching st- researchers studying us we need to study ourselves number one and then um, sex workers need to write and need to be published and need to be heard because that is how you really study us mm-hmm. you don't study us by sticking us in a in a cage and watching us or I, I mean, I read this ridiculous <laughs> study the other day that talked about these Craigslist ads. The whole study was basically they put ads on Craigslist and then they just counted how many people called about the ad and they used that to judge like something with race. And I'm like, wait, what? No. They didn't talk about the photos that they posted on Craigslist, like what kind of photos, how old they were. Mm-hmm. They didn't talk about any of that in the methodology. I'm like, if you didn't talk about it, either you didn't use it Mm-hmm. Or you don't even know it's important. You wonder how that how that passed a peer review. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't peer reviewed, but that's the thing too is you can publish anything on the internet and it doesn't have to be peer reviewed yes. at all. That's true. So and that's a whole other <laughs> issue. Um, so we definitely know that sex work gives poor women, poor people, definitely poor women, the ability to what would be the word? 
elevate their social status through the work. Um, so what are some of the obstacles that you've encountered, uh, not just, I guess, with your own self and your personal relationships, but over time, like seeing sex work through different lenses over a couple decades? Mm-hmm. Because how old are you, Daphne? Um, I turn 44 next month. Okay. I understand that the privilege that I have can be used to do bigger things than myself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so when I tell people that I use Botox or I use Vol- Voluma or I was a stripper or I had a double mastectomy, I tell them that because I think it will help them. Like that, that's that's my, um, what do you call it? Like driving factor in life. Mm-hmm. And I, I've just recently found that out. Like my, it's after my mom passed. and The mastectomy? Oh, no, the, the mastectomy I had uh, about th- three years ago. Oh, my goodness. I might have to ask you about We might that. have a whole other. I'm, I'm actually <sighs> writing a book about it. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's Do called you... how, to get, how to Get Fake Boobs for Free. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? I love it. Get... Oh, my it God. It just cost me six reconstruction surgeries. That's uh, all. Oh, God. <laughs> but, no, I mean, nothing's really paid free. for it. So it's like, yeah, nothing is free. Nothing is free in life. But it's a tongue-in-cheek thing. And I'm, I'm tongue-in-cheek and I want to, you know. I love that. Yeah. So you said you start to question yourself sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. With I, I identify with the uh, too skinny lately. It's oh, just so yeah. funny. Like different <sighs> bodies come into fashion too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah and, and in the last, I mean, I remember the heroin chic mm-hmm. look. Me too. And I remember now I remember girls getting butt implants mm-hmm. and it's, like style didn't used to move this fast, yeah. but you can trace a lot of our modern like aesthetics back to things in the last century. Mm-hmm. So like with the flapper girl, you know, mm-hmm. and hair and chic or whatever, mm-hmm. um, like things are cyclical, but it's really interesting because it causes kind of this like weird panic amongst providers of fantasy because they're like, okay, what's my look? Mm-hmm. Is it changing? Like, how do I adapt? Um, it's very interesting. The hustle that people don't even think about. So like, who's your target Who's your client? Um, well, I'm. I, I say something that a lot of uh, former sex workers say. I say I'm 99% retired because <laughs> I could just pull on some heels and get on stage in two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> or you know, I mean, that's. It's just. I. I think once for me at least, once I have identified as a sex worker, I won't identify as not a sex worker. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, that's where I am until too. you're dead yeah yeah like I'm I'm I will that's always be a sex worker and like I own it now and for a long time it was a stigma attached to it that kept me down in life mm-hmm. I feel you and mm-hmm. after my 40s I'm like finally well you know I mean I, I I was working in a I left stripping and left after the feature escorting and after the stripping I went into the straight world straight world straight world finance I went to work for um, like companies like Smith Barney and Merrill Lynch because I sought legitimacy in my work because my dancing was obviously not legitimate because society told me that. Mm-hmm. And even if I was a feature entertainer traveling around the United States, you know, that's, that's an accomplishment. I still felt like I hadn't done shit in life. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I went into finance. Well, it, it was, it was going into finance that I thought would provide that for me. And it didn't. It was worse. Ooh, it was all a farce. It was worse. The American dream is yes. a lie. Oh my god! Really? <laughs> <laughs> Capitalism hurts people, right? Go on. <laughs> but I was—I mean, I—I I was so clueless. I—I I was, and I was proud of my stripping. Yet it was a stigma. So I—I I, I mean, I had that on my resume. Mm-hmm. Like I went to res—I went to to like interviews with Gold Rush Show Bar on it. Really? Yeah. What kind of interviews? Oh my god! Um, in New York City. Really? I, I um, How was that received? 
Oh, my. Well, first of all, the HR person should have probably said something to me, you know, because she she's the HR for the company. Um, she actually sent me into the interview with these these three guys who were oh, big no. investors and they looked at my resume and they said and they thought they were on candid camera. Oh, my God. That's amazing. I, I mean, I mean, now it's hilarious. By the time I was like, what is happening? And I actually got an offer for the job, which is just crazy to me. So you but, got an offer for, did you take it or no? No, no, because it was so weird. Yeah, you felt I mean, uncomfortable. It was really uncomfortable. But why I did mean, you put it on your resume? I I think I was just dumb. Oh, so you didn't know what to expect as far as a reaction and you found out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, right. I, 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 because I mean, literally was looking at books at the library on how to get a job, like a, how, oh, how to get a job. I was really a stripper cute. and I'd go, there was, this is before freaking Google. You and know? they said, list your previous they employers. They said, list your <laughs> previous 10 years employers if, or whatever. Or what, or you know what that t- they said? They said, put down any, any experience that anything that you've done. And I was like, I have sales skills. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I really thought that. And oh yeah. No. It wasn't until. <laughs> no, it's not, ridi- it's not ridiculous because like, okay. Like, what skills really could you put on a resume in regards to sex work? Um, actress, marketing, um, media manager, communication, you know, social communication, media, um, conflict resolution specialist, you know, health touch protocols. Exactly. I, I so mean, I use I use skills that I learned dancing to interview clients. Oh yeah, yeah. Get people to oh, talk to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Um. So let's. Let's take a break here. We're going to come back and talk about some safety tips and do some listener questions. Attention service and sex industry workers. Seeking Space Yoga is dedicated to providing a holistic option for after your shift with new 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. class times. Seeking Space is rooted in empathy and they've combined creative flows and experienced teachers to provide a safe, inviting space for any and all wishing to find peace on the mat. Need a little motivation? They are offering 10% off on all memberships and packages for those in the industry. Visit SeekingSpaceYoga.com or download the Seeking Space Yoga app for more information and a full list of class times. If you're looking to jazz up a jacket, bag, or just your fine self, our friends at Gimme Flair have everything you could possibly need. Gimme Flair is the largest online retailer of pins and patches that range from the cute and sweet to the snarky and slutty. They are sex positive, queer friendly, and aim to crush mental health stigma, all with fun flair from around the globe. Check out gimmeflare.com to browse items from over 250 plus artists. Strange Bedfellows is also brought to you by Black Bulb Podcast. If you've ever wondered about the deeper meaning behind some of today's art, why not hear from the artists themselves? Your hosts, Alex and Ben, collect influential artists of the West Coast to discover how they seek inspiration, how they handle mental health, and how to make a living as an artist in today's digital world. All discussed on Black Bulb Podcast. That's black like the color and bulb like a light bulb. Strange Bedfellows is sponsored in part by Comic Strip. This original Funhouse Lounge show is still the hottest ticket in town. Four of the best local and traveling comics take the stage and tell their jokes. And each time the strip master rings the bell, the comic must remove an article of clothing to continue their set. It's barely funny. 
hosted by the talented, hot mess that is Chris Etrick. Comic Strip is every last Friday of every month at Funhouse Lounge, located in sexy Portland, Oregon. Visit purplepass.com slash comic strip for discounted pre-sale tickets. The show is 21 plus and follow them on Instagram at comic strip PDX. Welcome back to Strange Bedfellows Podcast. Please rate or review us on your listening platform. Thank you so much. Uh, we're talking to Daphne Rose. Daphne has done full service work for about three years. You can contact her, DaphnePDX at ProtonMail.com. So what are some ways that you keep yourself safe? Um, how do you advertise? Do you advertise through publishing? Do you receive referrals? Um, I, I advertise in various ways. Uh, when I first started escorting, uh, I had, when I, well, I lived in Las Vegas and a casino host uh, approached me and he would hook me up with clients. He would call and say, basically he was a casino host. Um, and he was trying to keep his hap his high rollers happy. Right, right. Oh my God. That's so, amazing. So he would call me up and when he had someone who would like to tall skinny blonde with big boobs and um that was my advertising i was gonna say a lot of people like that so it was amazing <laughs> yeah did a lot. he take any did he take any cut he didn't take any money he He's he wanted to have sex once in a while he was married he had a wife with two kids at home his wife was freaking gorgeous but it's um i mean just a i want to say it's not volume the quantity of sex mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. he wanted more sex and than she was willing to do. Than she was willing to do or, or comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And so once in a while, I mean, like. So that know. was kind of your guys' arrangement. Like that was yeah. the kickback. Yeah. Okay. And, and it was fun. Like he was sexy and he was hot. So and it worked for you. Oh, yeah. Awesome. I, it was great. Cool. The, the only thing that didn't work was it was so irregular. I mm. mean, I could get three calls in a month. I could get no calls for three months. Mm. So I was a stripper at the same time mm -hmm. and working at Club Paradise in Las Vegas. That's so funny. So was this at this time had you already broken away from the school of thought like it's okay because it's not illegal because you were doing something that was illegal mm -hmm. did you consider it sex work then i mean you No, i i really that's <sighs> fucking shocking to I, me i mean i <laughs> it was a different it was a different so, climate I mean, it was a different climate and like the word sex work weren't even around that's i mean so true yeah. there were strippers and then there were prostitutes and you didn't consider yourself a prostitute mm -mm. why not <laughs> I think because and it's okay if you don't know. I think I th because prostitute meant street level work to me, street level street le street work working outside. Mm -hmm. So you had never been presented with a different model of right. sex work exchange, except for except for what happens the most that the or one of the woman of the common ways to work outside. Yeah, you know, that what's in movies is what I right right. That's Which, what I knew because I had no reference, no frame of reference, and there's. Uh, sex worker sourced statistics that say that um, street level workers are like the lowest percentage like most most full service providers mm -hmm. are able to work in, in inside yeah so um, which that is makes total sense for me really nice to, to hear mm -hmm. there's also it's kind of impossible to measure who's doing street level survival sex work when you think right. about homeless populations right but mm -hmm. that just goes to drive the point like there's so many shades in the rainbow of why people do these things yes why the frick is it illegal yes. <laughs> unless somebody is being you know forced even with the situation with the the hotel guy who you guys had an arrangement like it would be so mm -hmm. easy on paper to say well he was your pimp 
Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know? absolutely. You could, looking back, you, people could say that. And I, I remember, um, like, when I've told this story before to other people, people, the first question is, did he take any money? And it's because it's assumed that that's a, like a pimping kind of relationship right. and a negative. There was never, never any negative. He helped me out numerous times when I was, I mean, towards the end of my stripping career, I was drinking a lot. Before I got into financial services, I was drinking a lot. I had a boyfriend who was, I was supporting him. Mm. They were kind of dark days. Jen it looks at me. She's so like, we've talked about this. Oh, boyfriends. oh, oh my, my God. God. I mean, and I was one of them. I was one that, yeah. that supported deadbeats. Yeah, you Jen's, Jen's guilty of that too. Oh my yes, God. Totally guilty. Yeah. yeah. We make ourselves very vulnerable on this show. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of a dark time, and I forget where I was going with this, but. Um, <sighs> Me too. I forgot too. This is also great. <laughs> oh, we were talking about security. <laughs> safety. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Safety. Can you think of just some, like, always get the money first? Always get the money first. Always oh get the money my God. First. And I am guilty of having, like, the, the, like the one time that I've had something happen where I felt taken advantage of was where I didn't get the money first. Mm. And it's like not a whole lot happened, but it's almost like I was more mad at myself for being allowed for allowing someone to take advantage of me by right. not getting the money first. And that's good motivation for not doing it again. It happened to me recently, like one of the last shifts I danced mm. at some yeah. turd. Shorted Pose, her. Yeah, oh shorted me like 80 bucks. Oh my gosh. It's the just worst. Like, Are you serious? Like I trusted you yes. and I never do and I got greedy. Yeah. And it's it, and not it's being greedy like, though. Be it's, it's, it's such a dance because you can't, it's like some guys want you to tell them exactly what you want. They want to know, okay, I want $80 for the next 15 minutes of me dancing in front of you or whatever. I don't know. I haven't, I'm just yeah, not using no, okay. numbers. Shot in the dark. It's fine. Yeah. Um, and then some guys don't want to talk about it at all. They're like, they want it to seem like it's not a transaction. Yeah, and you're so, ruining things by talking right. about Why money. do we have to talk about money? And it's like, well, are they, using that, are they using that as a tool to manipulate me into not talking about money? Or are they really just really want me to be softer with my approach? Yeah, like are they mm -hmm. so deep in the fantasy that yes. they're not going to be able to get hard if they remember this is transactional? Like, right. I'm sorry, dude. Sometimes I lay on my vibrator and I'm like, <laughs> I know I'm not going to come. I know I'm not going to come because yeah. I know that this is just like a simple action and mm -hmm. I'm not fantasizing. That's their problem. Yes. That's not your problem. It's not your get problem. the money first. Yeah. What else? You said uh, keep track of time. Keep track of time. Um, I still like old. I mean, I, I'm, again, mostly retired, but I, I worked like a year ago, year and a half. Um, uh, I wear a traditional, I'll wear either a traditional wristwatch so that you can easily just kind of flick your wrist and look at it. And mm -hmm. you get you can get really good at it. Um, and then the other thing. Um, if you and have, looking at it without them noticing. Without <laughs> them noticing it. Because, I mean, that's. And. Oh, it's a, it's so weird. It's like they want you to manage the time, but they don't want you to look at your watch. Right. It's just like a therapist. You know, you go to a therapist and your therapist looks at the clock and you start to think, oh, are they bored? Are they this or that? It's mm -hmm. not it at all. They're checking the freaking time. Mm -hmm. But guys don't want to know that, mm -hmm. you know. Probably takes them out of it. Yeah, mm -hmm. it takes them kind of out of their fantasy. Um, but another really cool thing, the Apple Watch, it's super expensive. I know it is. <laughs> um, but they have a feature called an SOS call. I don't know if you guys have. If you heard. own an Apple Watch, which a lot of our listeners might already, and mm -hmm. you don't already know about this, now you do. So you like this one? Yes. Emergency SOS? It's emergency SOS. So you can set your watch up so that if you press the little whiny button on the side for more than like five seconds, it it, it calls 911. Now your phone has to be nearby for the older generation, like watches. Mm -hmm. It calls 911. But the way I had mine set up was to call 911, also call my boyfriend my check-in partner or my neighbor and my attorney. Damn. 
That's awesome. And that's my other tip is get counsel before you need it. Really? Yes. Okay. How do you find a good criminal defense attorney that will work? So I in Portland, I, I searched criminal defense attorneys, Portland, and they'll come up. There's a cup. There's a couple of pretty good ones. Um, there's some actually. There's a couple of really good ones, but they're expensive. Um, but you get someone in the middle ground, kind of in the range that you, that is you know middle range. Um, my problem with I had a big problem with getting this done because <clears throat> when you go to their websites, you're going to see that they defend they defend pedophiles. They defend people who have taken advantage of women. Mm-hmm. They defend pimps. At and the same time, though, may I add, alleged. Yeah, and true. Convicted, yeah, you know, absolutely. So. Absolutely alleged. Mm-hmm. But I was like, how can I possibly give money to a person who is defending the person who create who, who, Defending the, who would possibly defend the person who abused me as a kid, or who abused my, who would, who abused anyone who was, you know, it just how do I give that person money? So you found that to be a sticking point. For it you. was a sticking point, but yeah. here's the, here's how I got over it. Um, I talked to an attorney here in Portland who knows defense, who knows criminal defense attorneys, and sure, some of them are out for money and they're ruthless and they're one hundred percent like nasty people, mm-hmm. but a lot of them. Take those cases because that's a huge chunk of money. If they're going to defend that person, they Jen might knows get, about this. You know, a lot, a lot of money, and then they can use the rest of their time helping the little people, like sex workers. You know, staying out, off of prostitution charges. Well, I think yeah, that, yeah, I mean, the, yeah, yeah, the bulk of crimes are not. Um, at least in my cases, the bulk of mine are not really nasty like measure 11 crimes mm-hmm. and of them in even of the some of the worst sounding ones mm-hmm. that i have mm-hmm. very few of my clients i think are guilty of all of it right there's That's like good. shades of it and it's mm-hmm. like the da has to i'm like oh you're way yeah. overcharged yeah. or and there's also usually mm-hmm. like abuse hat like they were abused you find out all these details and i'm like wow i see why you're a piece of shit because hurt people, like, right. hurt people. Because, oh yeah like all this horrible stuff happened to oh you. And yeah I, and i guess i just think too I, I think it's also good to remember too that everybody no matter how this is how i sleep at night mm-hmm. everybody i do believe that everybody no matter how bad you are and how bad what you've done is deserves to have one little team of people mm-hmm. on their side. I 100% believe you know? with you. No matter what. Sometimes you got to hold your nose and be like, yeah. oh, Jesus. But, you know, somebody's usually, there's a lot of evidence that somebody's done these awful things. We don't, you don't recommend to take it to trial. You go, shit, you know, this is, you're facing a lot of time and this looks really bad. You well, this will speak to you a, should do a, something else. a yeah. listener question that we have later. Um, it's also mm-hmm. tough because it's like, how do you hold responsible the person who cooks the food for the guy who has the heart attack. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, we'll get to the listener question. It'll how be a good time. <laughs> oh, I have one more security yeah. question though. How do you, how do you screen your clients? I, so screening is the most important thing. I think um, a provider can do to stay safe. Um, you can do things like, you know, that little, the watch trick with the SOS alert. Mm-hmm. You can put things in place to keep you safe. Well, to rescue you should you need to be rescued by yourself basically but do you like verify their like employment or do you yeah. ask when they sign up to see mm-hmm. you or however so so screening every i would say providers screen differently um i would change up my screening process about every few months just because technology is so quick now that people figure out how to get around it mm. 
I mean, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Mm. What are some um, methods of screening? Some methods of screening are verifying employment. Um, and I'm not going to say how they're effective. I'm just going to give you a few ways. Um, verifying employment, verifying home address, um, checking a driver's license really quick, a quick peek at it as a surprise when you see them. So don't tell them you're going to, I'm also going to check your ID when I see you to say, Hey, can I pick if you was any question about something, you know, you can just say, can I take a quick peek at your ID and just verify that you know who you're talking to. That's the thing. Yeah. How do like, people react when you ask them that? Ordinarily, um, I would say most people have been like, oh my gosh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm a, I don't want you to be scared. I don't. And nice. it, if That's someone to hear. if someone yeah. says has a problem with it, it's a huge red flag. Awesome. For right. me. I mean, it's like, whoa. Do you Wait meet them second. in public first? Mm-hmm. Or, okay. oh, and this is, this is in a coffee right. shop. This okay. is in a coffee shop. Right. I would regularly uh, screen clients. And then we'd meet, call it, a lot of people call it a meet and greet, mm. meet in a coffee shop and have a conversation. It's like a first date. It's like a half hour first date I would do. So for, many for listeners free. are never going to look at coffee shops ever again. I know. <laughs> we are among you. I mean, I mean, I swear of- people know. I mean, when I'm in a coffee shop, I mean, I, I mean, I'm a really attractive woman for my age. Like, you look relatively. like a working professional though. But, but a working professional. And then I'm with a yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe people don't. I think people know, but <laughs> I think yeah. I think you know you're you're quote guilty of what you think they suspect. Yes. Jen, you have a question. Oh no, no, no. I don't have any questions. Oh, okay. Even though I'm just saying that process actually makes a lot of sense to me. Like especially yeah. if you're, if you, I mean, I don't know, you're exclusive and you charge a lot, you know, yeah. and it makes sense that you should see if you're going to have chemistry with this person and make sure that they have some sort of hygiene yeah. standards. Yes, and, exactly. You know. Like, um. I mean, there and and this meet and greet thing was when I started doing when, when I got, when I got back into the into the sex industry, I guess you can say back at like four, four, five, three, four or five years ago, I noticed that people were doing meet and greets and I was like, what a good idea. But they were usually charging for them. Mm. And the, the strange thing is that if, if you're, it seemed to me that if your price point, your hourly price point was on the lower end, people tended like potential clients seem to to try to take advantage of you and get that free like coffee thing just to get that as like a free gift but when you were charging a higher higher hourly rate they they didn't seem to want it's like no one tried it's Mm. like it it Mm -hmm. eliminated a lot of the the, what i would call like the riffraff the people who just want free stuff Mm -hmm. they just want to get your coffee they want to have coffee with you for free Mm -hmm. when i number one screened well and made sure that the person was you know on the up and seemed like they could afford my hourly rate then it made sense to go for a free coffee date. And mm-hmm. I got a free coffee. I mean, I I looked at it as, a, as I got a free coffee. I got to meet a new person. And nine times out of 10, it ended up an appointment because mm-hmm. I'm good with people and they're interested and we could make it work together. You know, mm-hmm. it's not about me as a provider making it work. It's about us together, our client provider relationship. I love that. It was, I like that yeah. too. That's so good. I like that too. Hey friends, do you get sore muscles or stiff joints like us? How's your skin? Is it dry, itchy, irritated, bruised, or sunburned? If so, it sounds like you need some Nabalm in your pocket. Nabalm, that's N-A-E-B-A-L-M, is an all-natural skin and body balm handmade right here in Portland. Nabalm products use a base of organic olive oil and beeswax followed by an infusion of therapeutic essential oils, each of which provides all sorts of benefit. 
Oh yes, and they smell amazing. To learn more, check out nabalm.com or search Nabalm on Facebook or Instagram. Do you have sex questions? Do you want help learning new techniques, communicating with a partner, opening a relationship, or exploring kink? Sex and intimacy coach Stella Harris can help. Visit her office in Portland or connect via Skype to take your intimate life to the next level. Learn more and schedule at www.stellaharris.net or follow her on Instagram at Stella Harris Erotica. Uh, so let's do some listener questions. Write to us, pillow talk at strangebedfellowspdx.com. Let's do, yeah, listener questions. So I got this one. In researching sex work, what are the most reputable sites? Um, so I love this question because it's so easy to type sex work statistics or sex trafficking mm-hmm. statistics and you go to the worst Christian propaganda website that was <laughs> made to look like it's a sex work advocacy website. Mm-hmm. Uh, National Center on which one exploitation? Sexual exploitation. Mm-hmm. The National Center on Sexual Exploitation is Puritanical. owned by Christians. Yeah. yeah. And they conflate sexting with um, child abuse, oh, by the way. Yeah. Um, so you said reliable sources. Mm-hmm. So look for, you said rights versus rescue yes, attitudes. Definitely or rights models. versus rescue or empowerment models. So <clears throat> what does that look like? So that looks like when a. When a human trafficking survivor or a sex trafficking survivor is encountered in the past, there's been a lot of let's go in and pluck them out of that situation and help them. Let's let's um, redeem them somehow that that word redeem. I have a real problem with, but um, it's more about like redeeming the person and rescuing versus empowering them to help themselves like to help because that that is. You, it's like you can teach a man to, what is it? You can give a man a fish. Yeah, or you can teach him to fish and feed him. For yeah, whatever. and it's like, I feel like when when people are plucked out or rescued out of whatever, whatever it is that they're being rescued from, when you empower them to get better, that's how they get better. Like when you go to rehab, they empower you to get out of rehab and not drink. But sex trafficking isn't handled that way. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they no, don't care what happens to you once, as long as you're not doing the icky sex work anymore. Yeah. You can eat, be eating rats on the street for all day. Yeah, as long really. as you're not being, you know, taken advantage of more, then it's fine. You know, you might not have a way to support yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Did you see Ashley Judd, that actress <sighs> lady? Her- I actually re- I t- retweeted it and said, "What was the tweet? Do you remember her tweet? She's like obsessed oh, with the idea that. of other oh women god. and girls' orifices." Oh my god! What? She was something like, "We There's have to so end many. all sexual labor because it's all about cash for women's orifices." It's, oh my god! I'm she's abusing so- the quote, but everyone's <laughs> she's like, "So misguided." Yeah, it- and like sex oh. workers are like, "Stop worrying about our orifices." You're like totally missing yeah. the point. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in terms of like rights versus rescue. So first of all, not criminalizing it. Right. Not criminalizing it. Um, um, also, knowing that sex work, uh, knowing that sex work can be a choice. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if that choice is like a gung ho choice. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited. I'm a sex worker. Or it could be, God damn it, I'm a sex worker. Mm-hmm. As long as the choice is there and it's consensual, it's OK. And stop judging it. So like. 
I, I know in the in the sex worker community, you know, in the sex worker hierarchy, um, you know, there are a lot. There are providers who will say, "Oh, well, does they shame other providers because of an hourly rate that they charge that they that's think less. Is, it's less, yeah, right?" So it's like, "Oh God, it's so disgusting." It's like there's perspective on everything, right? And so someone who's making who's charging two thousand dollars an hour could say that you, what you're doing is disgusting. So come on, right. I mean, I realize we're not all going to be one happy family in this sex worker thing because it's. It's impossible. We are too big of a group. It's mm-hmm. like saying all lawyers to come to come to come, to come together or all pediatricians. You're never going to get it to work. Well, and, and we don't all have the same clients because look yeah. at food or any other industry. Like or some people models. can buy a five dollar yeah. burrito. Some people can buy a fifteen dollar burrito. Yes, but I everybody can the, eat burritos. It's cool, right? Exactly. <laughs> and the five dollar burritos probably sell a lot more volume than the fifty dollar burritos. Everybody burrito goes home ever. with. Fi- <laughs> I just had to get it in. You can the cut most, it out. We won't. We won't. What about? Let's talk about errors in data collection. Who's doing the study? Who's oh doing my the goodness. study? And That's what really other important. studies have they done? This poor, this poor sex worker in this group posted this article written by a known swerf, and I was like, please Google <gasps> oh, Catherine McKinnon. <gasps> Please Google Catherine McKinnon and you will see her entire career is about making you feel like shit for the work you have to do, you know, and uh, oh, God. So when someone publishes something, look and see their other body of work, because again, with Megan E. Murphy and her website that I won't name. But (laughs) if you look at one thing she's written, you might be tricked as a civilian into thinking like these poor sex workers. You look at every single thing she's written. You're like, God, this woman is obsessed with sex workers. Mm -hmm. Leave them alone. (laughs) So who did this study? Um, Look to see what kind of level of interaction they had with their participants. Mm -hmm. You know, like, did they speak to their participants? That wonderful study, I can't remember what it's called, but it's the one, Jen, we've brought it up before, that's determined that 97% of women convicts um, convicted of a violent offense, they were doing that violence in defense. So that study partly came together because women researchers interviewed hundreds of other women prisoners mm. and went through their case files to determine mm-hmm. the nature of the crimes that got them convicted. Wow. I feel like that's a fucking reliable study. <laughs> wow. So, um, yeah. what are some reputable sites? Okay. Which ones do we like? Swap sex work, sex, sex worker, out, sex worker outreach project. There we um, go. it's a, it's a nationwide group and then they have small chapters, mm-hmm. um, all over the U S. Mm-hmm. Um, Portland has the Q Center. Portland has the Q Center. And and I, I met the director at an award thing a while back, and we're going to put together something for sex workers. I don't know what they're currently doing, mm-hmm. but he expressed interest in doing that. And cool. that was that was really cool. That's good to know. Um, the Red Umbrella Project. Their website is was Is their down. website down? Yeah. Audacia <laughs> Ray is a long time... Well, I don't know if she's still, but let's say former sex worker mm-hmm. and publisher of a lot of... Um, work by and for oh no yeah redumbrellaproject.org usually we would recommend but it says that this account has been suspended oh my gosh i wonder if time. it's from fosta because oh. i so wonder that, too yeah. there's nswp global nswp network. is the global network of sex worker there was one uh kyle monroe that you had mentioned to me oh yeah i'm unfamiliar with this one um a local there's a, a local group in here in portland that started kyle monroe media and she is a um, she's a former sex worker, 
and she's created a media company to like empower sex workers or something. I don't, I'm not sure if they're. It looks really new. Yeah, I'm they gonna, are really new. I'm they're really new, but one. I know they're doing good things in the community. Um, Maybe I'll reach out. Yeah. So Kyle Monroe, what's the website? Uh, it's Kyle Monroe Media. I think it's KyleMonroeMedia.com. Okay. Uh, what is Polaris Project? Polaris Project is. Um, you know what? I uh, it's hard for me to define what they are, but they they've done research on sex work. But I found um, some of their like not everything is good. Like one of the problems with um, sex work is that the studies are. I mean, the read the studies like we talked about earlier. The studies um, aren't always done Great. with sex workers mm-hmm. so the methodology can be really off mm-hmm. like, especially if they're including sex trafficking and human trafficking oh my god yes yeah. or I that mean, just sets my alarm bells the minute yeah and trafficking yeah and anything like there is a there are people who are still conflating sex work with sex trafficking mm-hmm. it's a big thing and it's they're not the same thing and the difference is consent and and consent can change too that's the other problem yes. is sex trafficking Yes, can you being, can start with consent, right? And someone, be, and that's honestly, that's how it's happening right now. Like that's how the youngest victims are being coerced. I think Jen might know know something about this, um, but like Lloyd Center Mall in Portland is a prime spot that pimps hang out mm. at when schools let out, and mm-hmm. they look, and they're make, they're not there to they're not there to be mean. They're there to make friends with these girls, you know, mm-hmm. friend, quote unquote friends. Let's hang out. Let's hang Let's out. Let's get high. Let's get high. Let's yeah. go. You know, yeah. whatever. And, and it's like they look for girls with low self esteem. They do. They look and like shower them with attention. Yes. And bring them in. It's, it's called they start grooming. Off as boyfriends. Grooming and coerction. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah malls are heavy. Coercion. That makes a lot of sense. When I was like nineteen, I worked at the mall, and I remember I told this story on a previous show, but it makes sense now. So real quick, I remember mm-hmm. I was walking around doing my little thing. And this guy approached me and kind of like made a pass at me or something, but he was a little more vulgar. And then I remembered him. I remembered his face. And then later I saw him walking with a young lady who had a baby in a stroller and he had changed his outfit. (gasps) How bizarre. And I'm like, this guy is just cruising around. Right. I mean, I, and, and I hate using the word. I tried not to use the word pimp because pimp is such a racially charged name. Manager mm. is really it. But when I, when I say manager, people don't know what I'm talking about. It's like I have to say and the word manager pimp and then shouldn't be a negative thing in general. I manage, know, you know, right? Gosh, yeah, no it's good, tough. We need to like create better terms, but mm-hmm. maybe we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll see how. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm thinking, yeah, so hopefully those websites are helpful. Uh, Cupcake Girls, you had mentioned them. Yeah, Cupcake Girls, uh, they started, I think they started in Vegas and they're actually building a dedicated center in Vegas for sex workers for support. Yeah, they've had um they've had mixed reviews. I try not to recommend things because number one, organizations change. Absolutely. And then I don't keep I like I'm not in sex work anymore and I don't keep up with who's doing what. And I you know in Portland there's there's a big divide in, between sex workers. It's like a one side and the other. And I'm not and I I don't wanna what's the word? Like I don't wanna say everybody come together because I'm it's not it's not possible. But I mm-hmm. also want to not be the person who's in either group. Right. Absolutely. I want to be the person who is Oh right. I know personal drama ruins a lot oh of activism God. circles. Seriously. It's ridiculous. Uh, so let's take a couple more questions. Jen, can you read this one about the blowjob? Yes. <laughs> oh, yes I can. Thank you. Hi, L. Oh, you don't have to read okay. that part. All right. <laughs> 
How about you just start with, um, I listened to the episode where okay. you, Jen. Yeah. I listened to the episode where you, Jen, and Vanessa talked about deep throating, and Vanessa mentioned the sword swallowing trick of expanding your esophagus by simulating swallowing to open it up. My boyfriend doesn't like to stand up while I give him head. Oh, man, because that would be my suggestion. Like, stand up. It's easier. Um, he'd rather lay down on the bed and have me lay between his legs and give him a blowjob. And the sword swallow trick doesn't work that well in that position. Are there any other tricks you or Jen or anyone could possibly recommend to make it easier to deep throat in that position? Why can't he fucking stand up? Because you can't come that way. I can't come when I'm standing. Oh, yeah, I can't. It's not I his can't. fault. There's no way. Look at me getting all defensive. But I have an answer to this. Okay, so I, I think what, what all she has to do is get up on her on her knees. I think I think maybe. Wait, wait, wait. So he's laying on his He's laying back. on his back with his legs parted, right? And she's laying... It sounds to me like she's laying on her belly. She could downward dog onto that shit. Well, it's like I kind of, <laughs> I kind of like raise my yeah, like I kind of raise myself up. Like I, I think if if I was trying to give head like on my stomach in that position, I couldn't deep throat either. I could probably right. only get a little, I mean, get a little bit of it out of my mouth. But if I like get up on my hands and knees, like over the penis. <laughs> And then I can kind of like, you know, I can imagine that like sword swallowing, like open your throat and then you can, but like your neck has to be, ex- your neck extended. has to be extended in order to do that. Like, well, a- lay on your, if he can lay on his side and you can put oh, a pillow on yeah. your head. Oh my gosh. Try, totally. Try laying on your side with um, yourself kind of, I mean, try laying on your side and see what works for you. Yeah. Or I was going to say 69 positions. Sometimes if you're facing down, like mm-hmm. you're looking at their balls, it'll go right down your throat. Yeah. Um, I kind of pull it toward, like if I'm between his legs, I'll kind of pull it towards me. Like you really have to kind of pull it because if it's pointing that way, it's hard to get it, you know. <laughs> that way. That way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've never been able to to deep throat in that position she's talking to and some people just can't deep throat yeah and that's absolutely i mean we're all we all have different shaped mouths and that's why you we have hands yeah i feel like a longer i mean i can't get my boyfriend sick in my mouth there's no way (laughs) (laughs) and that is why that comment huge dicks can be so (laughs) overrated they can be overrated they can be too big i mean Mm -hmm. we are all shaped different ways Mm mm-hmm so let's see. We have another question. This will be the last question. Here's a good one. I'm hoping for your thoughts on engaging in sexual acts, both paid and for recreation, with someone who is cheating on their partner, particularly a spouse. Is that person, if that person is going to cheat anyway, are you at fault for this hurtful thing in their relationship? Okay, so we have some loaded language here, but we're still going to get through All it. Right. Is it still cheating if you're providing a paid service? I've decided I'm not comfortable with it as a civilian, but I'm not sure how I'll feel about it as a sex worker. I've dabbled in sex work, but didn't want to approach that question. Now that I'm looking to get back into it as a steady source of income, I'm having some internal debates over the matter. So remember earlier when I said it's not the person who cooked the burger's fault if a burger put someone into a heart attack because mm-hmm. the person chose mm-hmm. to eat that fucking burger? Mm-hmm. So yeah, when you're uh, being paid, no, it's not your responsibility to regulate other people's y- personal relationships. Yeah, I 100% agree on that. Like my professional mm-hmm. life, like even like with defense work, right? Like if my friend comes to me and tells me that something has happened to them, my role as your friend is I believe you no matter what. Yeah. And I am there for you. My role as a defense investigator is a lot different. Mm-hmm. And here in the same thing in the, in the club, mm-hmm. y- my parameters are different than like what I'm going to be doing in my dating life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a professional yeah. distinction there. And if you want to do that in your personal life too, like that's also fine. Yeah. Like that's up to you. People have. Well, it's definitely you know, up to you. 
I yeah, feel like it's, it's less fine you. because you're choosing to to make a, a personal relationship with someone that you know is dishonest in their personal relationships. Yeah. So you're kind of entering the into the of a danger problem zone to me yeah. than than it being a problem because yeah, it's more about the wrong of getting into a, of a potential harm of that, not the wrong of it, but yeah, or dealing with you know, an ex who's hurting, mm-hmm. like you don't want that negativity directed at you. But if you right. willingly got into a relationship with someone knowing that it could hurt someone, mm-hmm. well, this is your personal relationship you chose to get involved with. If it's right. a professional one, yeah, no, you're only agreeing to do the thing and then walk away until next time. <laughs> and you don't know what people, what is going on in people's personal lives anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. That's true. I mean, like if, if I as a screening question, if a sex worker was to ask every, I'm just going to say man, because it's typically the men who, who are um, clients, have typically, you know, statistically, mm-hmm. although that's changing, you know, if I, if I was just to decide that I had a moral issue with a man being married, I mean, I don't understand how that even comes into play because it's a professional relationship. It's like, it would be like hiring an attorney, not hiring an attorney because he cheats on his wife. Yeah. What moral, what moral, any, there's no moral involved like, here. This is a right. professional service. It's like going to get, I mean, I really see it as I go get my nails done. A man can go get a blowjob. Yeah. I, I see it that way. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Yeah. So it sounds like the person who wrote this is feeling some guilt. Um, but I would, I would consider what the difference is between the two things that you're choosing to engage in. I want to end this episode on some ways that people can support sex workers. But before that, um, this article on techdirt.com is called Facebook's policy team steamrolled on FOSTA by Cheryl Sandberg's personal priorities. (laughs) So Facebook apparently was going to be anti FOSTA. And then Cheryl Sandberg decided that she conflates sex trafficking with sexuality. So she took a strong stance and decided that no, we are going to be cracking down on the nudity and the words. Uh, Read the article. 100%. -hmm. The reason why it was passed was because Sheryl Sheryl Sandberg and Facebook hopped on it. They went in front of the House and the Senate and they were like, we think it should be this way. And the House and Senate didn't know what to do. So they were like, okay, fine. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that it has endangered sex worker, consensual sex workers. It has an endangered it's pushed sex trafficking further underground. Mm-hmm. It used to be um, before this. So before this is some concrete information before this law was passed, I could go on a website and see ads that girls place or women place for that for themselves or women and men, actually not women and men, all genders place ads mm-hmm. for sex services online. And then you could also see very clearly some people who were being trafficked. It was obvious. Really? Yeah. I mean, you just, it's yeah. obvious in the, in, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's subtle. obvious to it's, you. It's obvious that, to me. It's yeah. obvious to sex workers. Yeah. When that law passed, those ads did go away. They did get rid of them on the, on, on the internet that we could see. They're now on the dark net. Right. And they're not going to be found. I mean, this stuff is just going further and further underground. No, I just say, I can confirm that there is, absolutely plenty of it going on yes mm-hmm. and in portland portland yep. is, is one of the is one of the worst cities and one of the ways that you know it is is that because the hourly provider rates for escorts in portland are lower than what they should be interesting yeah the hourly rates here are lower than, than another major city of, of portland size 
If you hmm. go if you go to Seattle, they're consi- I mean, con- Seattle's a different. Everything kind. is more expensive. Everything's in more in Seattle, but it's by by forty percent more in Seattle. That's it shouldn't be forty percent more. I wonder if there's a huge difference because there's no real strip club culture in Seattle. There's oh, not much. There's a there's couple. Not much. There's the corporate ones, but what happens with the strip clubs there is you don't make money dancing on stage. You make money in the VIP or in the private rooms. Okay. So in speaking with Seattle strippers, they're like it's it's basically everybody's doing extras to survive in the strip clubs. Okay. Um, But here we have so many strip clubs. I wonder if that is like a conduit for a lot of escorting with a lot of strippers being able to advertise that way. Yeah. And it's also driving the rate down. Yes. I I think you have a very good point there. And then I also think that um, Portland police are a lot more lax than Seattle police. Yes. Oh, man. I've I've had a detective uh, tell me in Portland that he said, we don't pursue people who are Mm -hmm. selling sex unless we believe they're being abused or they're underage. Absolutely. And I said, that's really nice to hear. Yep. Absolutely. (laughs) And in Seattle, that is not the case. Way more yeah. horophobic in Seattle, more queer friendly, I would argue. Oh, definitely. Yeah, but I, but I, I think I think Portland is slowly. Fr- I mean, gosh, they're getting a little bit queer friendly, but they're just not people of color friendly here. Dang it! I mean, come on, people. It's true. It's so bad. We're changing. <laughs> Things are changing. It's just so interesting, though, to me that other cities come forward. Are, are, they're more um, progressive with race than they are with sexuality, and with Portland, they're more progressive with sexuality than they are with race. Well, we have a smaller, it's like 6% black mm-hmm. folks here. Our police chief, our new police chief is I a black woman. Oh, she's I love a, her. you love her? I don't like her. Well, I don't, I don't she say I love her. I, I, well, I shouldn't say that. She wants to, she I love wants that to we have militarize. A black police chief. I want to love her, but she's, she's brought conservative militant attitudes from Oakland. She oh, wants to militarize. Yeah. Yeah. It's, an, it's, it's gets even more confusing Ugh. when you, when you learn that. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> I know I had such high hopes, but Danielle Outlaw. Oh, yeah. Outlaw. And that Outlaw. Like, I'm like, yeah. Chief Danielle Outlaw. I wanted to love her. I know. Well, I it's know. okay. So, how can, how can people be supportive of us? Oh, real my quick? gosh. Call us sex workers. Don't call us prostitutes. Don't call us hookers. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't call us. If you want to, or you know what, call us what we want to be called. If I'm a stripper and I want to be called a stripper, call me a stripper. Hell yeah. Uh, maybe just don't stick. Try don't not to stigmatize us enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, assumptions. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Prostitutes, escorts. Complain. Do not do everything that clients want them to do. I think that's a big misconception. They oh, think, like as a sex worker? Yes. People think that if you're a sex worker, then you do everything. And that is 100% not the case for most people. Right. And there's some people who are involved in survival sex who have to do things they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Right. It, we all have to do things we don't want to do at work sometimes. And that does not stop with sex work. Mm-hmm. That's true. But um, yeah, I would say how else we can help. You can always give feedback if you see a show and it writes you know, something horophobic into its script and yes. la la la, like write to the producers, yeah. tweet at them, explain why that's wrong. Okay. With Facebook, write to them and say, Cheryl, you fucked mm-hmm. up. I'm going to delete all my photos. <laughs> <laughs> um, so giving feedback is really important. Um, trying to purchase things specifically from the provider. So if you buy an independent provider's uh, porn mm-hmm. versus maybe on a very generic website. Um, yeah, oh, and their books. Buy their books because buy sex their workers books. are starting to write. Yeah, well, they, I mean, in the last few decades. Mm-hmm. Oh, buy... Do you remember the what's the name of the client book that you posted a photo of, Daphne? It's called Paying for It, a yes. comic strip memoir about being a John by Chester Brown. Introduction Chester by Robert, Brown. Robert Chester Brown. Is he on Instagram? Do you know? Not that I know of. It looks like an older book. Too. It's an okay. older book. That yeah. looks great. I, his his introduction is so good. He he talks about 
um, I mean, it's really sex positive writing by a guy, <laughs> by like a quote unquote normal man who sees escorts. So I feel like it's just such a rare glimpse mm-hmm. into this normal guy's you know, experience, mm-hmm. which and we need, we really need, we need that, it right? because guys can't, the guys who are paying us usually can't talk about it or don't want to talk about it. Well, because they're the quote perverts that yeah. are abusing us. Oh yeah. They're the ones who are the bad guys. I mean, if they're right? cheating on their wives, then, then that must mean they're bad. They're well, not. No. <laughs> and again, I hate saying cheating on their wives because there's also reasons people go outside of their primary relationship for sex. Hello, I'm non-monogamous. Like I understand yeah. why monogamy doesn't work for a lot of people. Yeah. But. And people also get sick. I mean, if your wife has, has uterine in cancer and she's at home suffering what do you do like for years for like years for years, yeah. years yeah. and years what know? do you do and most wives aren't going to be chill with like hey honey you need to get some needs met i can't provide them yeah, for you most of here's them a safe can't. legal way you can go do right. that because society has told them that that's bad yeah and i don't think it's bad right so everybody thank you so much for coming thank on you guys. daphne thank rose you yeah, if you would like to write to Daphne, she is at DaphnePDX at ProtonMail.com. Everybody leave us some great feedback or shitty feedback, whatever <laughs> whatever you <laughs> want to tell us. Follow me on, <laughs> oh yeah, Instagram had deleted me again, but follow oh, me yeah. on Stripper Writer if I'm still there. Otherwise, StripperWriter.com and follow us on StrangeBedfellowsPDX.com. <laughs> cool. For more Strange Bedfellows, check us out on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows and become a supporter for access to behind the scenes material and extra content. My name is Elle Stanger and you can find me at stripperwriter.com and on Instagram at stripperwriter. And my name is Jen. You can reach me on strangebedfellowspdx.com.